1: Hello, everyone. Welcome into a, another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry, the Catspaws. Derek, how are you?
0: Doing well, Sean. Uh, taking some time to breathe during this bye week. How are you doing?
1: Same here. Uh, much needed bye week, honestly. Kind of not a lot going on this week. So we, we actually, Derek, you want to record kind of our takeaways from the first six games of the football season. It, it's hard to believe played six games usually would be the midway point. Uh, we're beyond the midpoint of this weird college football season. Uh, four games left, Eric, so just some takeaways. We'll, we'll talk about our biggest surprises, probably what maybe disappointed us, maybe something that has impressed us that we kind of were a little bit, you know, up in the air about. So just a lot of opinions on the show yeah. today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're going to give some takes. Um, just not a whole lot of other things going on. We're going to do some more basketball stuff this week. This, this might really be our last really narrowed football episode this week. And So with that in mind, Sean, I guess let's just start. I want to ask you, when you look at the totality of these six games up to this point, is there, is there just one main thing right now that you're thinking about when, when Kentucky football comes to your mind? <laughs>
1: I look at it honestly. It's it's been such a roller coaster ride. Honestly, just the the beginning was disappointing. It was zero and two, but you felt like Kentucky honestly should have been two and zero, one and one at worst. But but then you you go to the middle of it, Derek, and it's you get a dominant win against Mississippi State, and then they go do something that they haven't done since nineteen eighty four, and you start to think, mm-hmm. okay. There, you see a path now to where they finish five and five, six and four, and then they just go and give one of the most disappointing performances in the last four years at Missouri. And then the offense doesn't move at all, or doesn't find the end zone at all against Georgia. It's it's been wild because you thought the beginning could have, you thought the beginning was going to be the low, and then you have the high that you thought was going to carry over the schedule change and all this stuff and. I don't know, Derek. I feel like that I'm just, you know, holding my breath and trying not to throw up, honestly, because it's just up and down and up and down. Uh, How do you feel about it through six games? Because I I don't know. Like, it's – honestly, I think when I look at it at the end, I'll be able to give a more accurate feeling on exactly what it was. Right now, it's just – you don't know what to expect anymore.
0: I think it's been – I think it's been a lot of things for just to be six games. Like, I think it's certainly been disappointing – but I think some of the storylines have been kind of fascinating. And I think where it goes from here, the decisions, like I think more than anything this year is it's become evident that Kentucky's not one of those teams right now that basically the margin of error is still very thin. I mean, if you're not to a point where, you know, they should have beaten Ole Miss and they should have beaten Missouri. So Stoops in year eight lost to two first-year coaches, two teams that I think Kentucky had more talent than. Uh, in Ole Miss's case, at least as much. I mean, Ole Miss's defense is bad, but their offense certainly has more talent than Kentucky's. But those were the two most disappointing games. But like you said, I mean, if anything else this season, they had a 34-7 win at uh, Tennessee. So really in a year like this, how extreme the emotions probably are week to week has been something we've all had to get used to in an SEC season. But overall, I would say it's been – Certainly not up to expectations. None of us, I mean, people can go back and listen to our preseason podcast and no scenario where we're we talking about two and four. I don't no. think either of us went below 500 on – I, I picked six and four. They're not going to get to there. You know, I think they're probably staring at a three and seven or four and six record. But I guess what intrigues me the most, Sean, is just maybe what – what kind of comes in these Final Four games? What, what do they try to do, if anything, well, differently? Um A lot of questions still to be answered. And that's why I think even though it's not been such a good season, I think if you're a a true diehard UK football fan, there are still a lot of reasons you want to watch these games and figure out what they might have in the coming years.
1: Well, we talked about it in the preseason that – and we ask a lot of people that we had on our show, and we ask each other too, is this a year that we just kind of throw away? Or is it a year where you take some momentum? And, I mean, I'm going to give you the – the answer i think most people would if kentucky were taking away a lot of positives and had a really good record i think it'd be one of those things where yeah you carry that into momentum but then you you're sitting here talking about three and seven four and six and honestly i think you want to throw it away Uh, i just think that it's a it's a change of approach that i think that needs to happen in the last four games and it more so needs to be about getting prepared for next year than it is about the results of this year, if that makes sense. I just think that when you go into these, if you finish two and two in these final four games and you get, and young guys are the reason why I think you feel really good about where you go. And if Joey Gatewood, or if it's Bo Allen at some point, if they end up, you know, having some performances that kind of stand out to you that where you can actually see this passing game going somewhere And that gets me into this. Now, I'll ask you this. So, what has been your most disappointing thing that you thought was going to be better? That's probably a hard question to ask.
0: I don't know if I thought it was going to be better. I I had concerns about Terry Wilson in the passing game, not just because of Terry, mostly because of the wide receivers. I think just the all-around passing game is – worse than I expected I didn't think it was going to be very good to begin with but somehow it's managed to be worse I believe I saw a stat that actually Navy and option team is averaging more passing (laughs) yards per game now than Kentucky is and Kentucky obviously has tried to be more balanced this year I mean they definitely made an effort to be and they have just been so horrendous throwing the ball and I think what has become I mean I, I think the personnel at wide receiver it's not always easy in college football There needs to be a total overhaul of that room in the coming years. Probably see that start after this year. And I won't name names as the kids who I don't – I mean, I think it's obvious that they're not going to have the same group in that room next year. Like, one, there will be some graduations, two. uh, There's always going to be attrition. And then who's going to show up, though? You know, that's another thing. Can they hold on to these wide receivers that they have committed? Probably the best group they've had committed since early in Stoops' days, I would say. So can they hold on to these guys – That was for offense. I would say on defense, just the one bad game, really. I mean, I think they only played poorly in the one game, and that was against Ole Miss and Hurts that they lost that game because I think they were better than Ole Miss. But at the same time, though, I mean, that's a group that you can see probably getting a little bit better every single week.
1: Yeah, and I just look at it – it's hard to really pinpoint what's the most disappointing. I I would have to say the receivers, if you're going by position – for sure. I mean, that's clearly been a disappointment because we we were wondering, you know, was it just the way that they had to run offense last year? Because, Derek, you and I left that Florida game last season talking about a lot of guys yeah. and the excitement of where things were moving, and it's not been the same since. Uh, these guys, they they really they don't make plays. Uh, they haven't really, honestly, the ball's not been thrown down. They've not stretched the field at all, and I don't know if that's just because, one, they can't, or two, they just don't. I don't know. Like that, It's just so confusing. It's hard to kind of dive into. But to me, I think the most disappointing thing is that the quarterback situation has been so back and forth to me in my mind. I think just because we had Terry on the show, we talked about it, you and I talked about the perfect thing that could happen would be for Terry to be really good and finish this year out and it be his opportunity, and then you move on to Joey or Bo next year. Well, we've had quarterback controversy. Even when Terry did play well, a lot of people didn't think he played well. And then he wins at Tennessee and then it was so short lived Derek. I mean, it didn't even make it to halftime the next game after they won 34 to seven at Tennessee. I think that's disappointing. And then to just the way that's kind of played out and stuff behind the scenes with, you know, some negative stuff on Twitter and some things like that, that it just, uh, I think that's disappointing.
0: I agree with you there. Um, that's what's crazy is that the Tennessee game was just two weeks ago. And uh, all those good vibes that they had coming out of there. I mean, the Missouri game really trashed it because you had to expect that they were going to lose to Georgia. I mean, no one expected a win in that game. So that's what's what's tough there. But you can accept losing to Georgia if you're 3-3 three and three going to the bye. Um, I guess some other things, Sean, I wanted to ask you about. And this might not be a necessarily fair question, but I do want to kind of expand on it. Do you think there has been any complacency in the program? What I mean by that, and perhaps I'm just using hindsight here, maybe it's not totally fair, but I I do think this is a true point, though. The wide receiver room shouldn't have been that big of a surprise that it might be a struggle this year. And I know their numbers were tight last year, And you got to be careful with how you operate a roster. But it feels like they should have seen this coming that maybe they needed an upgrade with some of those guys. I don't know Corona happened, and that made it tougher. So I'm not laying all the blame on them. But that is the one position on the team I think you can look at and see that this was building to a point.
1: Well, coaches lose a lot of sleep. And I think coaches lose a lot of sleep too when their teams are good because they see the weakness. They see that there's an area – where their week yeah. and and Derek I, I have to think that at some point Mark Stoops and this coaching staff have looked at that receiving room and they've been concerned and it to the point now that I think you're actually kind of you're pressing the panic button to a sense that there's nobody standing out. Uh, we kind of you know build Bryce Oliver as a kind of a breakout guy this year and he's not really been on the field healthy enough to even make an impact. Missed a ton of time early. Uh, I think he did catch a ball the other day, didn't he? And that yeah. kind of uh, – yeah, and it was a penalty or something?
0: Yeah, it was. That's right. It was a penalty.
1: So it just it feels like one of those Isaiah Epps situation where you kind of have him and you're looking and then he just can't get his way back. So you're kind of seeing this happen with Bryce this year too. There's a guy that certainly I think would have been probably their best receiver if he had been healthy early on this season. But there's no chemistry there. You can tell there's no chemistry there offensively with quarterbacks and wide receivers. I I don't know. Like it's just it's just so difficult to kind of pinpoint. But I will say this though about the complacency thing. I think that they got comfortable with what they were doing that year with Boom and Benny. And you, when you had Benny, you could kind of carry that over because they had a dominant defense that year. Mm-hmm. And then last year with Lynn, when you have a when you could control time of possession the way they did, but still have the explosive playmaker that you just had to get it in his hands and just let him make plays. Uh, two, Derek, they're doing at a place where they've Kentucky football's doing things that they've never done before. And I think it's easy to get complacent when you yeah. do things at a program and you're getting praise for winning eight nine games and people think that you're here and you're ready to compete for division titles. But that I think that's the decision that Mark Stoops has to answer to himself now. Is that good enough? Or does he want to try to do something different? And I think he wants to do something different. But I'll also tell you this: watching that game Saturday, it sure felt like that they had no sense of urgency; that they were almost content with losing that game fourteen to three. Is that bad to say? Because that's no, no, how I, I felt.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think they know they're so limited offensively that they were just hoping that Georgia would make a mistake and you know keep them in the game or whatever. And Georgia did make a few mistakes. It just so happened to be that. Those mistakes came pretty deep in UK territory, both turnovers. But um it's a good point about the offense because at Kentucky you can overlook a lot of things, I think. And in that 2018 year, you're not gonna get anybody really complaining too hard about winning ten games. No. Could they have beaten Tennessee? Could they have beaten AM? Sure. But the end result is the best season they had had in over 40 years. However, and I think this is where just a combination of things happen, like, I don't know. I don't want to crush them too hard because 2018 it was obvious that the offense was not a big reason why they won those games outside of Benny Snell. They had a little bit more to work with in the passing game. Dorian Baker was still there. C.J. Conrad was still there. Um, I think David Bouvier was, like, their second leading receiver. And then, of course, he had Lynn. Where I think what really hurt him, and I don't think their talent's that great at wide receiver. But the, what happened last year didn't help either. I mean – and that's another point, too, like you were talking about earlier after the Florida game. Like I think they could have had one of their pe- best passing offenses underground last year whenever you had Lynn and you had Ahmaud Wagner and you had Josh Ali in the slot. That's a pretty good trio yeah. of guys right there. Um, but that doesn't help you for this year because Lynn probably still would have been gone, and then, of course, Ahmaud was graduating. So you still would have been kind of stuck in the same boat, but maybe some of those secondary guys, Alan Daly was someone that Terry was hitting a lot early in 2019. Maybe he was a little bit further along. But where I think fans are starting to get frustrated, and even me as a media member, it's starting to get frustrating, is that there's just no excuse to be this bad on offense for this many years in a row, passing the ball, more specifically. Obviously, running the ball the way they did last year was a, was a great thing. I mean, it was that was maybe Eddie Grant's finest moment, was being able to construct an offense around Lynn Bowen and go from there. But it's at the point now where this offense is just so – I mean, I'm to the point where if they like completed down a pass down the field, I'll like be stunned because one, they barely take any chances. And then two, it's just, it's just not really something that they've consistently done this year Um, to the point where if they throw the ball over the middle and someone makes a play after the catch, it's just like, they're getting nothing. It's like, they make the crazy thing in college football is you see teams all over the country, spreading the ball out, throwing it all over the yard. And for Kentucky, it's, it's, it's like such a challenge to throw the ball vertically.
1: It is. It's uh It's painful to watch this team run offense, honestly. It's hard to watch because you know it's going to be ugly. There's going to be a play call that you're kind of disappointed. And and two, when you look at some of these play calls, you kind of wonder, is it the play call or is it guys just aren't executing what is being called? And they're in a tough spot. I will say this, though, I still have faith in Stoops. I think that Stoops has done enough that he kind of warrants – you know, a, a year where things are frustrating, but you want to, you have to see something change going into next year. Like there has to you be don't want to
0: Double down on this, yeah. You're, you're no,
1: right. you have to see some change too, Derek. Uh, I, staying kind of, it's not really on topic with disappointment and thing that we've seen, but are you surprised that the running backs have looked the way they have with who's been getting snaps the last couple of weeks? I mean, Jaton McLean was in there and key drives at Tennessee. Have we seen him since?
0: No, he's not played either game. Um, is
1: that surprised you at all? It,
0: yes, it does. Uh, and Missouri threw things off because they played so few snaps that it, it just kind of messed up a lot of things. I think. Um, they have certainly shown, I think, the offensive staff in particular, defense has not been as big of an issue. One on defense, they're, they're actually producing pretty well. So, the guys who are out there, there's really no reason to call for anybody else to be in there. Whereas on offense, I think they've shown a lot of loyalty towards AJ Rose for sure, but that pretty much went out the window against Georgia. Like I think he only had three carries. So if the deal is going to be that AJ gets to start every game, but Rodriguez is going to carry it 25 times, like whatever, that's no big deal. (laughs) I mean, let Rose start if he wants to play a couple snaps. That is actually one thing I think you will see change. I think – if Cavassier is back, then that's a little bit different. But at this point, like you have to probably be pretty concerned about losing Travis Tisdale, who I think could be a pretty yes. good player, but he's just been here for two years and he's barely played. Um, he's never played a meaningful snap. He they, hasn't. for whatever reason, I'm not picking on the kid. Zach Johnson's worked hard to like earn his way under the field, but like to me, that seems like such an obvious place to put someone who doesn't play that much on offense yet. They decided to give it to a guy who's a former walk on. Uh, and they don't return a lot of kicks anyway these days. I mean, most, most of them are touchbacks. So. Yeah, I don't even know why Maybe it's a part
1: it's of the game anymore, honestly. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, you I mean, don't but, even see it.
0: <laughs> I think the offensive personnel usage has definitely been questionable as well. And, it uh, has. I mean, McLean. I don't know. It's like you get people talking about him a lot. Eddie seemed to love him, and then you go he does him. him on a drive that still mattered against uh, Tennessee. But like you said, he's not played at all since. then against Georgia – the way Rodriguez was running, I get it. Like I guess, just the circumstances these past few games have, have allowed that. But I would that, like to see him get a chance in the first half, though, against Vanderbilt.
1: I, I would too. I want to see him when the game matters. I just want to yeah. see what it's like when the bullets are flying. Derek, let's let's go ahead and give our uh, probably most surprising thing from everything that, I, and I'm going to go with. Then we'll move into some basketball stuff as well. My most surprising thing. This may then this might surprise you. Honestly, I think you take out the missed extra point, I think that Matt Ruffalo has been very solid.
0: He has been. Yeah. And
1: I think that's my most surprising thing because that's a spot last year that it was in and out. I mean, you had guys missing extra points. You had guys missing game-winning field goals, field goals in general. I mean, he's pretty much the point now, Derek, when he lines up for a field goal, I actually think it's going in, which is a big thing.
0: I mean, really, it's just the old Miss game that he struggled, right?
1: Yeah. Or did this one,
0: too, against Mississippi State? Yeah.
1: I, no, I think don't he think him. he missed one. I don't think he's missed anything since that extra point. And is this and is that a guy that could come? He could come back next year if he wants to, couldn't he?
0: He could. Um, and I think they're probably not going to take a kicker in twenty one, so that might actually be something that they explore, seeing if he wants to do it. Because it seems like Chance Poor has been pretty content to handle kickoffs. I would say my most surprising thing. I'll pick one player. I'll say Jamin Davis,
1: and That's it's not a huge shock
0: because I think Jamin was someone who had a lot of potential, but still had, had Chris Oates's situation not happened. He still would have been that third linebacker this year. Wouldn't have been a starter yet. He's had some of the biggest plays for the defense this season and been involved in some, some really big areas. I mean, that, that's, the whole defense is they've done a good job. I mean, look at the way Kelvin Joseph bounced back from those first few weeks, how tough they were now. I think he leads a, the country in picks. I think I saw today with yeah. three, or at least he's tied for it. Um, He's a good piece to build around. Like this defense, and that's why I think it should be so crucial that they don't let this offensive thing continue to spiral out because they have a good roster, uh, especially on defense. They got a lot of good players. They got a good mix too of young guys and old guys. Um, but I would say Jamin was probably, for me, the the guy it, that has has it, been the biggest surprise in a good way.
1: And I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that Jamin's a guy that, and too, when you look at guys like Jamin and some of these other guys that they've developed over time, I think that makes it the most frustrating when you look at the way the offense is struggling because they've had a lot of guys, Derek, that they've developed into big-time SEC players the last few years. Calvin Taylor comes to mind for me too, a program that's you know develops guys like that. That, that. I think that's the most frustrating thing is you're seeing a lot of guys develop on the defensive side and the offensive line, but you're not seeing it at those skill positions outside of running back. And I think that... That's the only thing that I think is going to change and move Kentucky into that contender status in the East yeah. is you've got to have playmakers to beat the Georgias and the Floridas consistently in the SEC
0: when I look at the offensive build for the rest of the season and um sorry uh, for the rest of the season and then going into the next year if there's anything that's become obvious, no matter what happens at quarterback, it's that Chris Rodriguez should be your workhorse for the rest of this year. And then he should be – until you can show that you have a really good passing game, he should be the focal point for next year. Um, and I don't know where things are going to go. Like I said, I think they need to, one, hold on to all these receiver commits. And then, two, I wouldn't be opposed to taking two or three transfers. I think that room needs a complete makeover from where it is right now. Yeah, There are a few guys that play right now that I think um, – are good enough and still have enough potential to come back. Hell, I'd say even Demarcus Harris, someone who uh, has had his share of drops. I mean, I still think he's a young guy. and I, You know, why not give him a chance to keep coming back and proving himself? But, you know, they've not gotten a ton of immediate help, but um, that room needs to look a lot different. And they've just got to get out of this rut, man, because there's nothing that's going to hold the program back more than being in the year 2020 and not, showing any kind of ability to throw the ball. I mean I mentioned this to you and I don't know if Stoops will even explore this the way money is with COVID. Like I think it'll be a different off season. They've got to consider getting some kind of like passing in coordinator, someone who just specializes in throwing the ball. Yeah. And and focusing on that. Because this is just it can't go on any longer. Really well
1: you you've seen guys like Nick Saban. We've said this over and over again change and adapt. Yeah. Have to adapt. And Stoops has done wonderful things in Lexington, Derek. But if he wants to continue doing wonderful things, he has to adapt. And this is an offense. And, and I will. And I will say this too. I, I do think that Eddie Grant is handcuffed to an extent. I think that they've kind of fallen in love with that ball control offense, and it works. It works well. But here's the th- here's the thing. This has been a team that has not been good in the red zone. This has been a team that has not been able to capitalize on some drives. Uh, this isn't the offense. That ball control just isn't enough to do it for you with this team. That I think that they just they need some firepower on the outside. The guys that you know that you can throw the ball to and they'll make a play for you. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing. But I guess we can transition this now to some basketball news, Derek, because uh, sure seems like John Calipari is setting himself up for a big time commitment here in a few years. Uh, so Kentucky announced in addition to the 2020-21 roster today, Derek, and it was a walk-on, and that might slip through the cracks a little bit. People might look and say, oh, it's just a walk-on, blah, blah, blah. Well, they obviously they had to add somebody because uh, Isaac DeGregorio was no longer a part of the team. It was a walk-on. So they added Kareem Watkins, who is the stepson of Dewan Wagner that played for Cal at Memphis. Well, keeping the story short, Dewan Wagner Jr. is the consensus number one overall prospect in the class of 2023, and Derek, if I had a million dollars right now, I would hand it and put it down and say that Dewan Wagner Jr. is a Kentucky Wildcat in that 2023 class if John Calipari is still in Lexington.
0: And assuming the NBA route isn't in his future in terms of immediately from high school. I But I think with how close Wagner is to Cal anyway, I think even if the NBA is an option <laughs> – I think he's not strongly considering coming to play for Cal anyway. No, I completely agree with you. This is one of those deals where um, I honestly think they're going to get Wagner's kid anyway, regardless of <laughs> if his step's walked on or not. But this certainly helps. And it uh, he gives another kid an opportunity. Um, of course, you know how it is with walk-ons. I mean, they're not going to play unless it's, you know, a blowout or whatever. But this was a roster news and – I don't know the story with Dave Gregorio, what happened there. I didn't, Maybe he just got to college and decided, you know, he didn't want to play basketball. Totally understandable. Um, being a walk-on is not easy, <laughs> especially no. at a program like Kentucky. So, I get that. But, no, this was, like, kind of the only news today. I mean, Jay Lucas had some things yesterday, Sean. He, he kind of talked about how the NBA bubble had had a pretty big effect. I mean, you saw it in the Damian Collins recruitment. That was one of the things that he mentioned was uh, seeing how those guys performed and – it's given them something tangible to use in a right. time that is, is tough.
1: well th- there's and nothing to use you know that's the yeah. thing like you can't you can't sell your facilities you can't sell game atmosphere you got to be able to sell something and you know what you can sell money money talks Derek and when you hear cha Ching cha Ching when you see the ball go through the net during the NBA bubble, it's kind of a big deal and two pretty soon. These recruits are going to be able to turn on TV and see Kentucky basketball playing, which brings me to this. Did you see – are you expecting the Champions Classic to be played neutral? Are you expecting it to be moved to on campus? Because ESPN actually lists Kentucky at Kansas being played at Allen Fieldhouse.
0: I have no idea what to think about the schedule at this point. I mean, it's so fluid. And the date's
1: consistent. It says Tuesday, December 1st. And it would make sense if it's on campus that it would be at Allen Fieldhouse. Kentucky's not been there since 2016. Yeah. No, I think that'd be a really cool game.
0: I don't know what the.
1: And I'll tell you this: you Kansas know what even be even. Hard to get you know what I think would be even better? Huh. Let's take this whole Champions Classic thing from a neutral site and let's make it on campus every single year. That, that way be, we. I would love it. Like send Kentucky to Durham, send Duke to Rupp, send Kentucky to East Lansing. Like just make it exciting and get it away from the neutral floor and play when it on was campus.
0: The last time Kentucky played at Duke. I don't think they I never have. They've never played at problem.
1: Durham. They've never been to Durham. They've they've been to Michigan State back in Tubby's time. I remember Gerald Fitch actually, his freshman year leading them in rebounding as a guard at, at Michigan State. But they don't I've they've never played at Duke. I've and, checked and history. They've
0: played, uh, they've played Michigan State and Detroit, right? They on have four field,
1: yeah. Um,
0: so that I think would that'd be, be fabulous to have Duke come to, to come to our arena and then well, then
1: you would add to the home schedule that everybody kind of complains about all the time because I mean, yeah, let, let, let's God get it. Care about that one. No, he doesn't, and but too, like you just and plus, you know, what would even be better? You could you'd get maybe some of those late nights out of the way where we're sitting yeah. there at 3.30 in the morning in New York City or in Indianapolis just trying to get a, something in to for work and everything. And now that we have Kentucky daily, who knows what time we'll go to bed. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. I think
0: from what I've heard from people, I mean, the fact that what I've heard, they don't even have an sec schedule ready to no. this point. And the season technically starts this month. So the scheduling is a, you know, it's a disaster. And what would you say the date was for that Kansas De- game?
1: December 1st is what they have it listed. That's what it was, uh, Reported to be when it was supposed to take place in Orlando. It seems like Indianapolis would be the neutral site location, but I just don't think that they're going to get it done in time. I think that on campus is going to make the most sense.
0: Well, I understand wanting to play some of these non conference games, keeping the matchups good. I'm sure it'll help the TV stations, but. And, and it's an ESPN
1: event most- too. And yeah. it's ESPN and. For them to put that on their schedule with a location makes me think that they know what they're they're talking about.
0: I agree. I'm sure that's how it is going to end up uh, playing out, which is totally cool. I mean, I think that'll be – it won't be the same atmosphere, of course, because um, the stadium will, will have reduced people. But still a cool a cool thing. I mean, I'm at to the point where it's just – you try to get these games in, you know, as many as you can. I, I kind of think if it's going to be, keep being such a challenge, I mean, try to figure out just how to make it work for the SEC – Try to figure out a way to make it home in a way. and you can still play a twenty-six game s- season, which is what just five games fewer than what they play either way. Yeah, I think they usually play thirty-one a year. So it was Adam
1: Gazoria. Work- it was Adam Gazor- Zagoria that actually reported that there's a good chance that Michigan State will travel to Duke for their matchup, which then in return, Derek means that that matchup between Kentucky and Kansas would take place at Allen Fieldhouse and. Could this be something where you see maybe like a two-year deal in this series where they don't where they kind of take it away from a neutral court or do they hold it steady with Madison Square Garden next year? Cuz I know a lot of people are looking I'm looking forward to Kentucky Duke at the Mecca of basketball at Madison Square Garden. They've never played in the Garden, but then again, they've never played on campus either. It
0: goes back to the Garden already?
1: Yes. So this event was originally supposed to be – where was it supposed to be this year? This year was supposed to be in Chicago. And then it would go back to the Garden next year and then Indianapolis. Because they had to change it because I'm pretty sure that Kentucky, Kentucky Duke played in Indianapolis two years ago. Yes. So they, they changed you can it. that man. Exactly. <laughs> they, so they changed it for those two to play at Madison Square Garden. Then I think it was going to go back to Indianapolis the, okay. the following year.
0: I think they'll try to get it back to those neutral floors as soon as possible. Um, But for this season, yeah, play it no matter how you can. I mean, do you think they'll be able to play these multi-team events? Like, do you think they'll be able to get Detroit and Richmond and those teams in here?
1: I think Detroit for sure will work, just given that it's Brad and everything and the connection there. Moorhead State, I think that makes sense. They're in state. I don't know. I, th- I think that that's a big thing. But where, where do you fit that in, though? Like, if these two teams are playing on December 1st and the season begins November 25th, is Cal really going to want to play that many games in that short of span when you have to prepare for Kansas?
0: I don't know, man, but we thought football was kind of wacky with how they're going to do things. Basketball seems to be in way worse shape in yeah. terms of how they're going to do this. And they've had well, more time to figure it out.
1: Yeah, and that was the thing that you kind of had the example with, you know, yeah. Putting yourself in a pod. But then again, how much money does that cost? And you're kind of throwing out the mid-majors and below if you're talking about having to spend money and a ton of money where programs and universities already lost a ton during COVID-19 and not getting to play postseason games and stuff last season. So that that's interesting. I I keep saying, I said last week that we were getting close to getting a schedule. I actually think now we might be further away from a schedule than what we were when I said it. Yeah.
0: so no i I agree with you it's gonna be uh i think it's just gonna be an up and down situation the whole time because football when you do the conference only thing you can figure out ways to make it work it can be a little bit more flexible we saw what happened when there were some cancellations they managed to make it work they flipped some of uk's games they flipped some of the others basketball i feel like it's just it's just gonna be like a straight cancellation you know like they're not going to be able to make up some of these games. So when will they even send out a schedule? I have no idea. It's November 3rd as we record this, and (laughs) I couldn't tell you any more about today's schedule than I could have two months ago.
1: No, I can't. All I can tell you is that they'll be playing basketball and the ball is round and it's orange. That's all I know to tell you about it. I can also tell you this when you said November 3rd, how we opened this show talking about all the disappointment, you know, what surprised us and stuff. Two years ago today, Kentucky was playing for the SEC East versus Georgia. November 3rd, wow. 2018. So, uh, wow, a lot's changed since then. Uh, but here we are, just trying to figure out exactly what's going on, Derek. And I, I'm assuming we'll have something on a schedule pretty soon. There's no way that they can drag this out. I mean, we're already, like you said, November 3rd. The season's supposed to start in less than 24, 25 days. So something has to happen. Maybe Cal should have played Maui in the mountains this year.
0: Uh. Asheville? Zilla. Yeah,
1: it is. Maui, Maui in the mountains. the
0: mountains. Did you come up with that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Have I seen that somewhere? I can't remember if I've seen that somewhere. That's I actually like that, though.
0: Good, I like that, too. <laughs> Whatever, Maybe what sorry. happened to that? They just canceled the Maui Invitational? They still don't try it?
1: They're going to call it the Maui Invitational.
0: Okay. In Asheville, North Carolina. Yep. Right. Yeah.
1: Maybe somebody did t- say Maui in the mountains. That guy, There's no way I'm smart enough to come up with that. I like that. No, I'm not seeing Maui in the mountains. I, I typed it in on Twitter, so nobody said it. I do. I need well, a trademark more that. promoting
0: that for uh, for Asheville, but Sean, where can people go to uh, to watch these games whenever basketball season does start?
1: They can go to the Butcher's Pub, Derek, with two locations. If you don't, if you want to watch the first half in Palmville, you might have time to drive and catch some of the game in Williamsburg. If you want to get there too, uh, the the Buffalo Chicken Sandwich is delicious at both. So I would recommend stopping in Pomville, get one buffalo chicken sandwich, and then go to Williamsburg and get another. If you uh, want to find out more information, visit butcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for more daily specials. Uh, Derek, if you don't have anything else to add, I guess we'll start wrapping this thing up. But we are going to stay with basketball a lot this week. Just trying to figure out. We're going to do some player breakdowns. Um, hopefully we can dive into some exciting things for you.
0: Yep, looking forward to that. Today was election day. Polls are actually just about to close, so I hope that everybody got out today, or if you're like me, maybe you voted a month ago through the mail, so just hope that everybody was able to go out and do that, and uh, that's about all I have, Sean. We'll be back to dive into these player previews and and really start, probably get our first really strong look at this year's basketball team on this podcast.
1: Yep, absolutely, and speaking of submitting things, uh, why don't you go over to Apple Podcasts and submit a five-star rating and review for Kentucky Daily, we appreciate all the input, support, questions, comments, concerns, anything that you want to do. You can reach uh, me on Twitter at Country or at email for the podcast, KentuckyDaily at gmail.com. Uh, but he's Derek Terry, and I'm Sean Smith. We'll see you tomorrow.